0: Good morning. My name is Stuart Davidson. I'm the pastor here at Eastern Shore Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. You can learn more about our church by visiting our website, www.myesbc.net. Of course, if you would like to visit us on a Sunday morning, you'll see that we have life group classes or Sunday school classes that start at 9 a.m. And our service starts every Sunday at 1010 AM. Come by and see us. God bless you. And I hope that you are motivated to look more like Jesus through today's podcast. Reading this morning from Revelation 21, the Apostle John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Lord Jesus, we are thanking, we are thanking you that you are continually doing new things. Lord, as we stand at the precipice of a, of a brand new year, Lord, we are excited about what will come our way. Lord, we know that in any new year, we're going to face hardship and trial and struggle. We know, Lord, that that there will be death and darkness waiting for us. But Lord, we know and we have full confidence that you are there with us. That we need not fear, that we need not worry, because God, you are in our midst. Lord, you have promised us that you will not leave us, you will not forsake us, that God, you will stand with us when we are struggling. Lord Jesus, today we look forward to this new year where you're doing new things. We have expectant hearts because, Lord, we know that you are going to do great works in our personal lives. We pray, Lord, for blessing in our marriages. We pray pray for new blessing over our children. We pray for new blessings at our workplace. We pray, Father, for blessing here at our church. And Lord, not just at our church, but Lord, of all the churches that surround us, we lift those churches up to you as well and ask, Lord, for a mighty revival to take place here on the Eastern Shore. Father, we pray that, Lord, as the world seems so uncertain, that, Lord, we know that we can go to your word with confidence. Lord, your word has not changed. It will never change. And that, Lord, we can stand on it, even when it's not popular, even when it's difficult, God. We know that your word speaks truth. We know that your word speaks love. And Lord, we know that your word offers us a foundational platform in a world filled with shifting sands. Lord God, today we thank you that uh, we are surrounded by this concept that we can leave the past behind. Lord, just this morning we woke up to a, a brand new day and we get to do that every 24 hours. A reminder of newness. Lord, we have a brand new year that we're celebrating. Again, a reminder of newness. Lord, we look now, as we have gone through Christmas, we look now towards Easter. And Lord, we are excited because we are again reminded that death is defeated and the grave has been overcome and that Jesus is alive. Father, today, fill us with your Spirit. Fill us with your presence. Lord, as we look towards this new year, Lord, we pray that you will reveal to us direction and that you will give to us clarity and that we will take the path, Lord, that is narrow instead of the path that is broad and leads to destruction. Lord, I pray that as we have asked for you to bless us, that, Father, we would be a blessing to you and to others. Lord, remind us each new day that we have a mighty mission field, that we are to go and speak your love, your truth, your gospel, Lord, to anyone who bears your image. Lord, I pray that you will allow this service to be encouraging, uplifting, convicting, and that, Lord, you will be pleased with it. Lord, join us now as we worship you, and we pray this in your holy name. Amen.
1: Our only hope is in the power of the cross. Amen? Would you stand and sing with us?
0: From the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made the foolish foolish? the wisdom of the world. For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. God bless the reading of his word. You can open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 13 verses 1 through 5. Uh, This morning, how many of you wear corrective lenses? How many of you wear glasses? How many of you wear contacts? Very good. I'm a contact wearer myself. I bet that uh, probably many of you probably had uh, corrective vision surgery before. The, the laser vision, yeah, those are, that's pretty neat. I've never had that done. I'd like to have that done one day. Do you remember the very first time you put on glasses? Do you remember the very first time you put on glasses? And what a life-changing uh, event that was for you. I remember the very first time I wore glasses. I was in third grade, and at the time, I had absolutely no idea that I could not see. That's the problem as you get a little bit older and you, have no, you, know, you, put, you put on glasses for the very first time. I had no idea that I was actually blind until I wore glasses. I can remember the very first time that I put them on. I remember my doctor told me that my vision in one eye was twenty three hundred, and in the other eye it was twenty four hundred. Legally, I was blind, blind, and still am. By the way, my teacher, my third grade teacher, told my parents that it appeared that uh, that I was not seen clearly. And so she suggested that I go to the doctor to be fitted for glasses. And uh, obviously as a third grader, I was very much against A, going to the doctor and B, going to get glasses. Why? Because kids are mean. I don't know if you know that. Kids can be really mean. And when you're in third grade, the last thing that you want to do is to do anything that would set you apart or make you different, and wearing glasses back in the 1980s would have done that. My glasses, oh my goodness, there have been incredible advancement in glasses. My glasses in 1980 made my eyes look like bug eyes. They were so thick that my eyes were big if you looked right at me. I I was sort of a cartoon character, I suppose. So I went to the doctor, I did all the tests, and I had lenses placed on my face for the very first time, and for me it was like an entire new world opened up for me. A brand new world I could see. I had no idea how blind I was. I had no idea of the darkness that I was living in as a little third grade kid, And it hit me suddenly, it hit me suddenly that I never ever wanted to go back to the way I was seeing the world. I never wanted to go back to seeing the way that I had previously seen the world without glasses. Now, as a third grader, clearly I was afraid of what people would say. Again, no third grader wants to stand out or be different. And yet, I didn't want to be blind. And as afraid as I was about going back to school and, and having kids make fun of me because of my Coke bottle glasses, I, as afraid as I was, I desired to see clearly more than that fear. No way, no how would I go back to the days of being blind, no matter what anybody else said? I was seeing 2020. 2020. Imagine going 2300, 2400 in one moment, into the next moment, seeing 2020 for the first time. It was a completely wonderful event. It hit me on New Year's Day that we were exiting. 2019, by the way, I I still catch myself when I'm writing checks, I still catch myself writing like weird years like 2004. Do y'all ever do that? 1997, I mean, I I, I get lost on these years. They seem to roll by. I've, I've been told as I get older that the years really fly by. My kids say that time moves too slow, and I'm saying, no, time's moving fine just as it is. But I, I noticed that as we were exiting 2019 that we were heading into 2020. I thought about the significance of this year and resolved that 2020 would be the year that we, I, should see things more clearly. And as I began to think about those resolutions, I came up with a few. I wanted to see people as image bearers of God. All people that they're image bearers of God and worthy of Christ's sacrifice. They're worthy of Christ's love. I wanted to see my family as the treasure that they are, that God has given me a gift in my wife and in my children. I wanted to to see God's church here at Eastern Shore Baptist as a launching pad for missions and ministry and growth. By the way, I think 2020 for Eastern Shore Baptist Church is going to be a banner year. A banner year where we will see our church grow where we will see our church live in harmony and unity, where we will see our baptistry filled, where we will see children playing in the hallways and our youth group exploding and our music ministry growing. Can you see it? Isn't that exciting? Oh, I think 2020 here at Eastern Shore Baptist Church is going to be Phenomenal, and I'm excited to see what God is going to do in women's ministry and men's ministry in, in, in the sowing servants and our missions. Oh my goodness, we're gonna go all around the world and yet we're also gonna go around the block letting people know about Christ. My desire is for 2020 to be the year that we all see Christ, that we all see his commands with 2020 spiritual vision. And this morning, I want you to circle. You're not going to fill in, but circle where you think you are today. Are you blind as a bat spiritually, or are you eagle-eyed? Is your vision, is it obstructed? Is it cloudy? Is it fuzzy? Is it tunneled? Or are you seeing things really the way God would have you to see them? Oh, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I even struggle with my vision. None of us in this room is perfect, and we're not always going to see eye to eye, and we're certainly not going to always see things clearly. But I resolve here today that I want to see things the way God wants me to see it. With the decisions that I make, I want to ask the question, God, is that the direction you want me to go? I want to filter my answers through God's word instead of Stuart's emotions. I pray that you'll join me in that. So grade your spiritual vision. Are you blind as a bat or are you eagle-eyed? So before we jump into Luke chapter 13, I want to give you a little bit of a context. As we conclude with Luke chapter 12, Jesus, I remind you, is talking to his followers. He's teaching them. He's instructing them. At the beginning of Luke 12, Jesus warns his disciples against the, the teachings of the Pharisees. And he, uh, he follows some of these statements against the Pharisees. And, and yet he settles into some really practical elements, practical applications uh, for his followers. He addresses worry. He addresses fear. He addresses anxiety. By the way, all of those three things, those are things that we deal with right now, today. When you walk outside the doors of Eastern Shore Baptist Church, you're going to be faced with fear, with worry, with anxiety, with trouble. Those things are waiting for us, and Jesus wants to help us with those things. He also teaches us how we are to deal with conflict and how we are to resolve issues with brothers and sisters. And as we transition into chapter 13, Jesus discusses the issue of repentance. And friends, let me say this here and now, in order to see things Jesus' way, in order to see clearly his direction for us, we must repent. We must repent. If you want to see 2020 and 2020, then we have to repent from the sins of 2019, and so this morning, let's take a moment and read from Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. Now, I'm going to stop here as we read to kind of explain some of the things that might be going on, because it can be a little bit confusing. So in verse 1 of Luke 13, it says, There were some present—now do me a favor, underline, highlight, circle the word, present. There were some that were present at that very time, at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood— pilate mingled with their sacrifices. Now, what in the world? What an interesting first verse of Luke 13. Now, what does that even mean? Well, the passage that we're reading this morning, it refers to two different events that were familiar with the ancient audience but has lost the context on where we are today. We don't exactly know what is being discussed here, but we know that there are two separate events. And so Luke gives us some insights into two different tragedies. The first one is sort of a a grisly mention of Pilate's mingling the blood of Galileans with sacrifices. It appears that there was a massacre of Galileans who were traveling through Jerusalem, and Pilate had these Galileans murdered and executed within the temple a brutal time. And the massacre was so graphic, it was so bad that as the priests made sacrifices for the atonement of sin of the Jews, that the Galileans were so brutally murdered that their blood spilled out in the temple and mingled with the blood of sacrifices. What we would call that today is state sanctioned terrorism. State sanctioned terrorism. Terrorism from Rome against Galileans and more specifically Jews themselves. Now what we don't know is why Pilate did this. We have no idea why Pilate did this. However, this is the first mention of Pontius Pilate that we have here in Luke. Now his name is going to circulate back around when we come to where Jesus stands before Pilate. The reason why Luke includes this uh, this event is so that we as the readers, we as believers today, will understand just how bloodthirsty Pontius Pilate really was. He was not above murdering worshipers as they came into the temple. Pontius Pilate was a very evil person. And so we transition from verse 1, where we hear about this first act, and then we come to verse 2. And he answered them, this is Jesus speaking, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Now, Jesus again tells us about the second event in verse 4. Or those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed. Do you think that they were worse offenders than the others who lived in Jerusalem? So again, Jesus is coming back on the second calamity. And so Jesus has heard the story of Pontius Pilate, a state-sanctioned terrorist activity, and now Jesus is talking about a natural calamity, which also led to the loss of life. Some 18 people had their lives snuffed out when the Tower of Siloam fell. And both kinds of these events lead us to realize how precarious our existence is. Jesus implies that the victims, in both cases, didn't do anything wrong, nothing that would cause their demise. He characterizes life as haphazard, hard, nasty, brutish, and short. And in the blink of an eye, it could all be gone. Many of you probably heard the stories from last Sunday as worshipers had gathered together in white settlement over in Texas, a church of Christ, and they were serving communion, and yet a gunman rained out and shot worshipers there. Did those people do anything wrong? Did they do anything to deserve that type of treatment? Of course not. And yet, I heard another story as we echoed into this new year of of an 18-wheeler plowing into a family, and the 18-wheeler, the driver survived, but the family, they were all lost. And that was a terrible, tragic accident. Did those people deserve that? Of course not. Yet, life brings these sort of things about. Although these events might have allowed Jesus to have an opportunity to defend God against charges of mismanaging the universe, he doesn't go that route. By the way, that's what we always ask. God, why? Why did you allow those things to happen? God, why did you allow Pontius Pilate to kill Galileans as they were worshiping uh, in the synagogue, mingling their blood with sacrifices? God, why did you allow the tower to fall down, killing more than a dozen people? Yet Jesus doesn't take a moment to try to address those issues. Jesus only implies that we can't equate tragedy with divine punishment. Sin doesn't make atrocities come, they come. And likewise, as tragedy visits us because of a fallen world, blessings come in a similar manner. Just because you're blessed, or at least what we would say as worldly blessed, financially blessed, materially blessed, doesn't necessarily mean that you're living right. Oh friends, we know lots of people whose lives are outside of the boundaries of God and yet they are materialistically blessed. This leads to Jesus' last statement in verse 5. He says, no, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. What Jesus, again, is saying here is that, folks, it doesn't matter how you go. We're all going to the same place. We are all, at some point in our lives, going to look at death in the eye. No matter if if your life is snuffed out because of a bad building code, or if your life is snuffed out suddenly, unexpectedly, from the hands of a murderer, or if we die naturally of old age, we are all looking at death. And what Jesus is saying is, don't worry so much about the manner in which your death arrives. Be more worried about how you've prepared for death when it comes. So, Jesus is telling us that we must Repent. So uh, Jesus gives us some instructions here to see in 2020 and 2020. <laughs> uh, so, uh, some ways that we can start our year and, and some ways that we can see things in a much more spiritually clear way. So the first one is this the Roman numeral one, fill in this blank, be ready. Parenthetically, there out by the side, I have it written as be present. Be ready. Be present. Be in the moment. Be where your feet are, as some coaches will say. Again, in verse one, there were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Scripture tells us, by the way, that there were those who were present there with Jesus. And friends, have you ever met someone who was present but not really present? Have you ever met somebody who was present, but not really present. Have you ever met someone who was there in body, but absent in mind? I have met many people that are like that, and I'll be honest with you, I am very guilty of that. I am very guilty of that. I'm present, but not really present. Here you have a group of people and they're talking about the news, which we do, even today, right? There's not a lot of difference between us and them. They were talking about the news, the tragedies of the world, the darkness of the world, and we do the exact same thing here, <clears throat> excuse me, questions like, "Hey, did you hear about what, uh, did you hear about what Pilate did?" Well, he, he, uh, he massacred a bunch of people at church, and then another guy, he comes up and and he says hey did, did you hear about the tower in jerusalem that it, it killed 18 people it collapsed and 18 people died that's incredible meanwhile as they're talking about the news jesus is standing in their midst waiting for them to turn their attention from the issues of the day to the god that's standing in their midst Bad things happen. Terrible things happen. Awful things. Again, you just saw in church uh, uh, in White Settlement, Texas, they were attacked. The killer opened fire on an innocent congregation. It was terrible. Awful. It would be so easy, by the way, for that church to shut its doors. It would be easy for them to take a week off. And yet, that is not what they did. Jesus' work needed to be done. People needed to hear the gospel. One of the victims... That the killer shot was serving communion. He was in the back corner, back in this area. And he was standing there with a communion tray and the killer shot him dead as he was passing out the elements. And yet his daughter got on national television. And instead of condemning the killer, do you know what she did? She lifted high the savior. Instead of talking about the terrible tragedy that had befallen her own father, instead of grieving in that moment and expressing such anger and disillusionment and discouragement, how can God let such a terrible thing happen in his own church when they're doing communion? How can this happen? No, no, no. Instead, she talked all about Jesus. And she told people their need, their ultimate need in life is Christ. Friends, let me tell you, she used that tragic circumstance of her father's death to be a witness for Christ. It's so easy to focus on the horrible things of the world, and it's so easy to miss the central truth that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is in control, and that Jesus knows our pain. And friends, you'll see here this morning that these people were present, but they weren't present with Jesus, they were distracted. They had taken their eyes off him and they were worrying about things that were completely out of their control. They were worried about uh, state sanctioned terrorism. They were worried about natural calamity befalling them instead. Jesus is in their very midst, the creator of the universe, the one who holds all things together is standing there physically in bodily form. They could reach out and touch him and yet they were more concerned about the terrible things, the tragedies of this world than the victory of what they were standing in. They were present but they weren't present. So how can you see 2020 and twenty twenty? first is be present with Jesus. Be present with Jesus. Trust me, 2020 is going to have its share of problems. We've already seen that. We've already seen that. We see problems in Iraq. We see problems in Iran. We see problems in the church. We see problems at schools. And we're just a few days in. Problems are going to be in 2020. 2020 is not going to be devoid of issues. However, don't keep your eyes focused on those things, but be present with Christ. Be present with him because he's present with you. So how can you be present? That, that's a good question. So, sure, what are some practical ways that I can be present? Here's a good way. Spend less time on your phone and spend more time reading God's word. I promise you that the time you spend in God's Word will be far more beneficial than the time that you will spend on Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat or whatever is the latest social media platform. It will be a better use of your time to know God's Word. Spend more time in God's Word and I promise you, God will spend more time speaking to you. Another way is Spend less time investing in yourself and spend more time investing in others. Friends, this, this, this year, visit a hospital. Visit a hospital without having someone there, a family member there. Go visit a hospital just to go visit a hospital. Bring somebody a flower. Bring somebody some bread. Bring somebody a, a, a candy. And you're thinking to yourself, well, Stuart, who should I visit? I don't know. Pick a room. Just go knock on the door. Tell them you're from Eastern Shore Baptist Church, and I don't know why you're here, but I just want to let you know I'm praying for you. I I brought you this gift. If you can't eat candy, maybe somebody else can, but I just wanted to let you know I'm praying for you. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, gosh, Stuart, that sounds kind of awkward. Only if you make it awkward. It's not awkward. It's only awkward if you make it awkward. But if you act confidently, if you act like, hey, Jesus has sent me to you, then it's not awkward at all. Go, go to a, a hospital. Go to a nursing home. Go visit our, our veterans over in, uh, over in Bay Minette. There's a million different things that you can do to to take the limelight off of me and off of you and place it on someone else. What I have realized in doing ministry that I gain a larger perspective of humility and grace and mercy when I go to hospitals and nursing homes, that it gives me an idea that, you know what, the things that I'm dealing with seem small in comparison to what others are dealing with. And God allows me, he gives me this wonderful privilege, an honor to go and minister to folks that are hurting. Go to a nursing home. Start a Bible study in your home. Offer prayer for your neighbors. How many of you have, have gone to the neighbors on either your right or your left, knocked on their door or just had a conversation with them and said, you know what, I, I, I've been praying a lot lately. I'm, I'm trying to increase my prayer time, my, trying to increase my prayer muscle in 2020. Can I pray for you? Do you have a prayer request to your very neighbors, the people that are living right next door to you? And you say, well, gosh, preacher, I don't know. That sounds kind of awkward. Only if you make it awkward. Only if you make it awkward. Offer to pray for your neighbors. Spend less time being critical and more time serving. Another phenomenal way of being present with Jesus is spending less time critiquing and more time serving. What I have noticed, again, in my own life, I have less time to be complaining. I have less time to be critiquing. I have less time to be critical if I'm actually jumping in with God's people, serving the Lord. Some of the most happy people, some of the most fulfilled people, the most joy-filled people that I know, are the ones who work the most. And I'll tell you, most of the people that I know that complain the most, that critique the most, that are critical the most, do the least. So jump in there. Be present. Invest more time in others. Spend more time in God's word. Give yourself away. Be less critical and more servant-hearted. If you're thankful that you're leaving 2019 behind because for you it represents a, a year lacking joy and happiness and fulfillment, well then by all means, do something different in 2020. You know what the definition of insanity is, right? Doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting something different to happen. Well, don't do what you did in 2019. Do something different in 2020. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Can I get an amen? Amen. There you go. So Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. Remember, not the former things nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness, and the rivers, in the desert. Leave all the old stuff behind. Find something new. Be present. Now we have our second point. We have be ready, be present. But now we have be repentant. Be repentant. In verse 3, No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. I heard a story about a young boy who lived in the country and his family had to use an outhouse, which this young kid absolutely hated. In the summer, it was hot, like really hot. In the wintertime, it was cold, really cold. And of course, it was always smelly. The outhouse was located near the creek. And so the boy decided one day that he would push that outhouse into the water And after a spring rain, that creek swelled up. And guess what that kid did? When that creek swelled up, he went to that stinky, hot, cold outhouse. And he just pushed it right into the river. And he walked away. And later that night, his dad told him that he and the boy needed to make a trip to the woodshed. And you know generally what that means. He asked his father why that they were why that that he was in trouble, and why he was being taken out for punishment. And his dad said, because someone pushed the outhouse into the creek, and I think that somebody is you. And he asked the question, was it you? And the boy responded that it was him. But then the kid, very smartly, he knew his history, and he said, Dad, do you remember when George Washington's father asked him if he had chopped down that cherry tree? He didn't get in trouble because he told the truth. And his dad said, well, that's correct, but his father was not in the cherry tree when he cut it down. (laughs) By the way, I, I I admire the kid for being honest. I admire a person when they're honest with their father. Because that's where repentance starts. When we're honest with ourselves, when we're honest with ourselves, we can finally be honest with God. God knows the truth anyway. God knows the truth anyway. Jesus tells his disciples that the next important step is repentance. Repentance is the key ingredient to becoming a true follower of Christ. There are lots of people, by the way, who claim Christ. Lots of people who claim Christ. Lots of people who think who think that they are going to heaven. Lots of people who go to church but are not Christians. Lots of people who are Christian in name only but not in deed, not in obedience. They are neither obedient and they have never repented in their former way of living. So what does it mean to repent? Well, the Greek word that is being used here is a a word by the uh, title of metaneo. It's where we get our English word of metamorphosis. It's this idea of changing. When you read the original Greek text, it means to change one's mind. When you go to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, Paul tells us that we should be renewing our mind. What he's talking about here is this metamorphosis, that we are to change our mind. It means to turn. It means to transform. It means to transition. Imagine a butterfly, if you will, a caterpillar, who goes into that state and then comes out metamorphosized as a butterfly, Uh, To give you a biblical example, you can go to Luke chapter 15, and you have the story of the prodigal son. Remember the story of the prodigal son? He takes all of his inheritance, and he runs off to a foreign land. He spends all of his father's money uh, in in not a very wise manner until finally he's so destitute, so poor, that he's eating out of the pig trough. And then finally, do you remember what Scripture says? He comes to his senses, and he turns, and he goes back, and he returns to his father. That's what it looks like to repent. It means that you're going one direction one, uh, one day, and you say, that's not the direction I need to go. And you turn away from those things, and you go a different way. This means that we repent <clears throat> Excuse me, with our words. This means that we repent with our thoughts. It means we repent with our actions. I'm embarrassed to say that when I was a young teenage kid, My language was terrible, awful, never around my parents. Lord, help me. I would never say those things in front of my mom and dad. But I sure said lots of things. Boy, my language could peel the paint off of walls. And as I got a little bit older and I got a little more serious in my faith when I turned 18 and even more so when I went off to college, I repented of that language and said, no more. I will no longer use that type of language. And I prayed and I read God's word and God extracted those words that I had become so efficient at using and it is no longer a part of my vocabulary. To prove it, by the way, my kids were with me. Over the holiday break, we were uh, hitting baseballs, and I had my iPad with me, and I was charting some stuff that the kids were doing, and I was going to set my iPad outside of the batting cage, and as I stuck my iPad outside of the batting cage, the very iPad that I preach from, as I stuck my iPad outside of the batting cage, the net Got hold of the iPad, flipped it out of my hands, and my iPad fell flat down on the ground. Concrete. What do you think happened? It shattered into a million different pieces. It did get broke. It broke. And do you know what happened next? I didn't say a cuss word. Might have thought about it, but I didn't say it. No, that, that wasn't the first thing that came to my mind. That wasn't the first word that came out. Why? Because God had extracted that because I had repented of that behavior a long, long time ago. And friend, you can repent as well. If I can do it, a weak person like myself, if a weak human man can do it, then Lord have mercy. Some of you are spiritual giants and you can do it so easily. You, maybe you need to repent of an attitude. Maybe you need to repent Uh, of some things that you've said or some things that you've done, maybe some hurtful behavior, maybe hurtful behavior you've even done to yourself. Maybe you've not hurt anybody else, but you're hurting yourself. There's all types of repenting. By the way, repentance is mentioned throughout the Gospels. Listen to this in Matthew chapter 3 verse 2, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In Mark chapter 6 verse 12, so they went out and proclaimed that people should forgive one another and should have lots of compassion. No, it said they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. In Luke chapter 15 verse 10, just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Repentance is key to living the Christian faith. I will say this. You cannot be a Christian if you do not repent. And if there's some type of unrepentant behavior in my life or your life or anybody else's life, we need to get that right because we've broken fellowship with God if we haven't. So what are we changing our minds about? In what ways do we need to repent? We need to change our minds about our sin. We need to change our minds about our Savior. There's so many of us trying to work our way to heaven, and yet Jesus has already done everything that we need. In Job chapter 42, verse 6, he says, Therefore I despise myself, and I repent in dust and ash. Another good way of saying it is just be obedient. Just obey God. Obey his word and stand on it firmly. Lastly, we should be ready. Be present. If we want to see Christ in 2020, then we should be repentant. And then the third one is this, that we should be revived. In verse 5, he says, No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will perish that's about as clear as you can get. If you walk around Eastern Shore Baptist Church, you're going to see objects of revival. Objects of revival. And what I'm saying may sound spiritual, but it's actually a, a physical revival tool. If you'll pay attention, you'll see that we have placed all over the church defibrillators. Defibrillators, they're all over the church. If someone has a cardiac event, we can access these defibrillators and try to revive them. Another great tool of revival is a cell phone. <laughs> By the way, if, if someone goes into a cardiac arrest or if someone has a stroke, guess what we can do? We can pick up our phone and Brian, what can we dial? 911. And guess what? We, when we cry out, when we call out to 911, guess who shows up? The ambulance. Doctors, nurses, Dexter Lyon comes, and he revives us. I've often said, if you're going to have some kind of physical problem, you better have it at church. And that's going to be the best way to get seen quickly. We have objects of revival all over us. Now, Jesus is not talking about physical revival. He's talking about spiritual revival. Jesus is telling us that the first step to finding life, the first step to discovering life is repentance. Repentance is a revival of the heart, and it is a cry for help. Friends, this morning, it is not too late to be revived. It's not too late to be revived. Are you seeking revival today? Are you looking for a new path, a new path that leads to life and liberty? Are you looking to see 2020 and 2020, to see clearly? Well, friends, let me say, if so, repent. Change your mind. Embrace Christ. In Romans 2, Chapter 10, one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible, the Apostle Paul tells us, for everyone who calls on the Lord will be saved. Everybody who calls on God's name will be saved. That's me, that's you, that's everybody. It's an open door, an open invitation. If you are ready to have a new day, a new dawn in 2020, then embrace Christ. Repent, be obedient, and follow him. This morning, would you bow your heads with me as we conclude? Lord, thank you for this wonderful message. Lord, thank you that you are with us in the midst of our tragedy and our turmoil. That, Lord, we don't have to focus on the terrible things of the world because you are standing with us and you love us. Lord, bless us now as we come into a time of invitation. Lord, help us to see clearly both today and for many days to come. And, Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to today's podcast, and we hope to see you again on Sunday morning. Of course, you can also watch our services live on YouTube. Simply search Eastern Shore Baptist Church on YouTube, and at 10.05, our broadcast starts. We hope to see you soon. God bless you. And again, visit our website,
1: www.myesbc.net. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.